Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 248. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about doing short, medium, and longish movements um, with long guns. Um, this is something we've worked on over the summer with handguns, and we've had an opportunity to work on it um, not too long ago with long guns, and then added in some low light and some weapon-mounted light stuff. Uh, but just really working on that that fundamental concept of how do we do a short movement efficiently? How do we do a medium, call it like five to seven step mm-hmm. kind of movement, and then something longer, so anywhere from ten to like fifteen yards. Yeah, and and even and I really think that it, that's like at the break point where you go much further than that. Things don't change a lot; it just yeah. changes a little bit from there. Um, you know, and, and getting into spe- the specifics of kind of what we did, the application to this, the application to thinking about how you move, when, when we talk about, let's just say, talk about doing a simple up drill, up and one shot on target, yep. whether that's out of a holster, whether it's with a long gun, um, we, we're going to, you talk about like where are your feet at, where's your body position in relationship to the target, where are your feet positioned in relationship to the target. Where are you starting with the muzzle of the gun at? Is you, are you on the hunt just looking over the optic, or are you uh, law enforcement muzzle depressed at the bad guy's feet kind of thing um, from more a little more safe perspective and things like that? And we, and we break those down to the nth degree. Where's the butt of the gun in your shoulder? How do you come up? How do you meet your cheek and all this different stuff? But people don't talk about movement like that, and you should be breaking movement down like that yeah. because it is your connection to the ground, right? How do you talk about where your feet are but then not talk about movement because you're moving your feet to get wherever but then you've got to get back into position. So when I say generically we're not talking about that, we meaning old fat guys like me who don't move well aren't talking about that enough. The guys who do this stuff for a living, competitive shooters, talk about it a lot. Um, they talk about gaining time in a match is movement. It's rarely shooting the gun. And we've said over and over and over again, you're probably not going to take a world-class shooter and have them get better splits. Correct. You're probably not going to take a world-class shooter and have them get better target-to-target transition. It's probably not going to happen. So the game is one with footwork, is one in athleticism in the game. Um, just watched the shortest of blurbs. Um, one of the GBRS dudes former dev group, okay, talking about movement, talking about getting your feet off the ground, but gliding and moving smoothly, quietly, but probably as importantly, moving fast. Yeah. So in in that application at an extremely high level, at the very tippy top of the, you know, the two, tier, actually tier one, not pier one, um, you know, actual dudes out moving around doing stuff. They're talking about where, what your feet are doing and how you're moving and stuff like that. And breaking it down to an nth degree kind of level, it matters. How you move matters. Yeah. As a civilian, how you move probably matters if you're in a real gunfight. Heaven forbid you are. It'll And everybody says, oh, it'll be three to five rounds, three to five yards. It'll be over in three to five seconds and blah, 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 blah. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, or maybe you will need to move from one point of cover to another because maybe your gunfight happens uh, um, next to High Street on the sidewalk and, and vehicles recover and you may not want to be at the one you're at for whatever reason kind of conversation. 
And so that's where the application of this comes in. This is real world. If you're law enforcement, it surely matters to you if you're a street cop out there working. Um, because maybe shots aren't being fired just yet. But if the situation's dangerous and you think somebody's got a weapon or some buddies have weapons, how you move is going to be critical getting from one position to another. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah, same yeah. thing inside a structure if you're doing for sure any kind of room clearing or CQB, yeah. yes. um, any of the urban, suburban, yeah, like built up structure, even the fighting outside of structures, this stuff yeah. all applies. Yeah. Um, well, we talk about this yeah. just just looking at some of the some of the low light doorway work stuff that we've done just recently. You know, that's an even shorter version of the step, but it is moving. If you want to talk about how you work around a doorway, you've got to move to do it. And the old idea of 360 slices of the pie and taking 17 and a half minutes to clear a doorway isn't going to happen. So it is where are your feet at? What are they doing? Is the gun up? How are you doing these different things? So let's let's dig into it and talk. Start up close. Yeah. So for the for the sake of the exercise that we did, um, we set up a start position um, that was probably what. 15 yards to target yeah if maybe yeah. yeah and then at a slight diagonal moving to the like up and to the left yeah toward the toward toward the, the next target toward the second target um the and lateral and so. slight or more more lateral than downrange yeah but a little bit of a dot say a 30 degree diagonal yeah and then that was again somewhere like 10 12 yards ish whatever to the target it was yeah. a little bit closer yeah. but not much yeah not not much um, so on the beep you know you started with a pair to the first target yep and then move to the second target um, and engage that target with a pair yeah. um, and we did this the first exercise the the second position was about two steps away yeah it was maybe two, maybe three yards at the most. Yeah, um, maybe two and close. a half if you have short legs, but it was, it, yeah, two steps. Pretty uh, easy. So the, the idea here was really to, to enforce the connection that on a very short movement, um, we keep the gun mounted. Uh, all we're going to do is turn, put the safety back on and turn the light off. Yeah. Make the movement, and then you know, we should be in position as our second foot hits the ground. Yeah. And then... Yeah, lights on, safety's off, target sight's already on the target. Yeah. And we're able to engage um, very fluidly, very rapidly. Yeah. There's not a you know, you're not disconnecting the gun from the shoulder. You're not really losing a sight picture. Maybe the the gun dips ten degrees or five degrees so you can see over top of the optic. Yeah. But you're not this isn't a I'm putting the gun into a low ready to take two steps so I can bring the gun back up kind of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and again, uh, emphasizing, you know, we really didn't talk about like unweighting and stuff like that because when you, when I think about like dropping your body weight to move, I'm thinking about trying to get down almost into a sprinter's crouch to really explode and move fast. In this case, you don't have the distance to get up the speed. So that's really not necessary. And it was a lot smoother to simply take two steps from one position to the other. It was smoother and faster than trying to do it with any explosiveness or whatever else. Um, also, bear in mind, we're working on a fairly loose service. This is loose pea gravel that we're in doing this um, in this case. So it's even harder to do it with alacrity and not slide around and then slide into position, blah, 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 blah. So we're not looking at a massive dynamic movement. We're looking more in keeping the gun in the game ready to go um, and moving to the second position. And I guess you could say the second position, you know, you didn't have a confirmed target until you got to it. So you had to get in the position, 
re-engage the light, disengage the safety, then fire two rounds. So we were maintaining light discipline and were maintaining safety and movement, even though it was a fairly short distance. It was a two shots, safety off, um, gun stays up, identify the next target, safety off, two shots, you know, safety back on and the safety off, two shots. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this is not anything crazy, but it is something that, I don't, you know, we don't practice enough, I think, for most of us. We've got some guys in our group that are pretty athletic that don't have, wasn't a big deal. And we've got some guys like me in our group that aren't. And the little stuff like this, it got smoother and smoother and smoother just doing those reps. And it wasn't even a ton of reps. And I think it's something, again, this is something you could do in your basement, dry. Yeah. Super easy. This is a drill that a number of guys, like right out the bat, you know, engages the first target. Dip the gun. Dip the gun all the way down to a low ready or even almost like a sewel with the long gun. Yeah. To bring it back up and then got chastised for it. Yeah. And then, you know, by the end of the time, because we did this, what, six times, seven yeah. times? Yeah, we did a number of quick uh, rounds. A number there. of really quick reps through this that by the end of it, they realized like, oh, I'm going to be much faster to engage. Yeah. And I'm way more in staying in the fight if I keep the gun yeah. mounted up um, to take two steps. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and to look at this kind of applied in the real world, this is going into a door, like through a door into a room. Point of domination. Point of domination. Couple steps through the um, doorway, just out of the way of the next guy, but not all the way to a corner or anything crazy like that. It's that literally that step or two into the room. So you cleared the doorway and you're not, you know, where anybody's expecting you and you can cover the more of the room from that position yeah. is literally is two steps. Maybe in those two steps, there's a pivot Maybe there's a 90 degree or less. If you cleared the out as much of the room from the outside as possible, then you're even less. It's not even a 90 going in unless you're maybe you're button hooking or something like that. But even at that, it's still that step or two, gun up, ready to engage, ready to identify and engage kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, and we like I said, we we did a fair number of reps considering the group size. Uh, we but we ran through it a lot. We you know just boom 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 back through it two shots. You know safety on move. Safety back off, light on two shots, you know, engage things and go from there. Um, and it was, it, it definitely cleaned up everybody's gun position, foot position, body position and stuff like that. Because we had some guys who were moving into position and maybe the light was coming on, you know, 90 degrees or 45 degrees off target and being swept back to where it was. This was not a tactical decision making drill. This was a footwork drill. This is something your football or baseball coach would have you do. Yeah, this is okay. purely purely yeah. mechanics. It's purely mechanics. It really was not even a shooting drill necessarily. It was a being in position physically to shoot drill with the rest of your body kind yeah. of thing. If there's anything to do with the shooting part, it was helping reinforce the making sure when you when you're using the optic and using the long gun at a close distance that you're automatically doing your height over bore compensation. Yep. Yeah, checking for offset, doing what you're supposed to do there, um, you know, and and yeah, absolutely. So this was, I, I I honestly think that it like this starting off with a short movement as you're training this guys. I actually think that starting off with a short movement is a way better idea than starting off with a long movement because you're doing your little bit of acceleration and a little bit of deceleration much more smoothly because you just don't have time to get up to speed. So it emphasizes how you start moving and it emphasizes how you stop moving. Um, to give you some kind of baseline to how smooth you should be when you start moving longer distances. Yeah. Okay, cool. So 
Anything else with that? Next distance. Yeah, next distance was, I don't know what, like five to five to seven steps. Yeah. Depending on how, how long your legs are. Yeah. Um, this is one where now we're probably taking the gun out of the shoulder pocket. Yeah. But we're keeping two hands on the gun and it's a you know, one, two, maybe three really aggressive steps. Yep. And then we're trying to, again, kind of slow down, glide into position. Yep. So that when we come to a stop, the gun's up, hands are exactly where they need to be. Yeah. Uh, we've got our height over bore stuff figured out, and the light's going on, the safety's coming off, and we're putting two rounds into the target. So with this, you know, we, we did, you know, the analogy that maybe the two steps was a doorway. This might be, uh, again, back to that, two vehicles parked, parallel parked, along the side of a road and you're going from one vehicle to the next say there's two full-size trucks and you need to get to a pillar b pillar on one vehicle to a pillar b pillar on the next that's this kind of movement yeah. um you know and again um I, I i did this with because i'm clumsy and it's a few more steps for me than it is for you i was i was trying to keep my hand on the gun and i had a hard time keeping my hand on the gun because for me it's a couple extra steps and it's and I'm not going as fast as you because I'm not as fast as you. I don't accelerate as fast as you, and so you know for me I was I, there were a couple times where I probably took the hand off the gun but didn't bring it to like an actual running stride type mentality. Um, but it's you know where you're kind of you're up on the gun, you're breaking the shoulder, come bring it out of the shoulder pocket so you can move your elbows to run, and then as you're getting into position trying to get the gun snapped up as you're decelerating and pointing where you want it to point as you're stopping and understanding that now the deceleration is a little more work because you were going a step or two faster. Yeah. And that's, and again, on a loose surface, something to pay attention to. Out in the real world, maybe it'll be better than that. Maybe it'll be worse than that. Maybe you'll be doing this on dry concrete and you'll have all the traction in the world. Or maybe you'll be doing it on wet grass. And that really sucks too. Or, or icy slushy mix. Whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, we're because we're in Ohio. So, yeah. So, um, the again, with this, uh, saw guys... I think because we started off with that shorter movement, saw guys, a and we talked about it too, a little more attentive to the idea that you're going to have to decelerate. So just going balls out, it does not necessarily serve you well moving with alacrity to the point where you've got to hit the brakes. Gosh, where else could we go that we could learn and train ourselves like about acceleration, but then about when to hit the brakes? in a manner to be as efficient as we possibly could be. Where, where, where could we do? Probably a racetrack. Huh, that, that's a, <laughs> there's a, right? Yeah. So having you talk about this, I think matters to that extent because it, this, is, this is a corner. That's, yeah. this, is, this is a corner. You're, how, how hard can I accelerate on the straight into the next corner or you know from one corner to the other? How hard can I get on it? And when do I need to get back off of it to come into that position efficiently I'm not talking fast. I'm not going to say smooth. Efficiently, what's the most efficient way to get there? Because in my mentality around this movement was either I've got to get there to engage something for some reason, or I don't want to be out in the open for some reason, one or the other or both. It's probably both. Could, could be. Could be, yeah. right? If it's a match, if it's a competition, I want to get to that position so I'm there faster and more efficiently and could put rounds on that target and service the next target faster and win the match. If it's out in the real world, maybe my wife, my kid, my buddy needs help. And the sooner I can get to that position and get in position, gun up, ready to go, and, and, and assess what's going on, 
the sooner I can get there, maybe the more people are in good shape at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? Ver- or and the then, faster I can get away from wherever I am. Exactly. Or, you know, again. Covering things as we go. Bingo. You know, you're in law enforcement. You're a soldier. You've got to get from point A to point B and expose yourself the least. How do you do that and still be ready to fight? And your position you may be moving to, you may not be moving into a fortress for cover. You may be moving to a very small point of domination that's not a lot of cover, but it's actual cover. So let's get to it quickly. Yeah. Kind of mentality. Um, so look at it from whatever angle you want to look at it from. Movement matters. So details on this one. I think you're accelerating significantly more aggressively and you're braking significantly more aggressively just because you have the room to do a little more. Yeah. But that little more is actually quite a bit, especially if you're slow like me. My top speed's not very high. Yeah. I'm not getting anywhere near it, but it's you're still you're putting more into it. Yeah, the other really important part with this, uh, because we're only <coughs> we're moving for maybe two seconds, mm-hmm. uh, is where that support hand is. Uh, yes. And coming completely off the gun, uh, you just don't have a lot of time to then get the support hand back on the gun. True. In yep. the right place. Yeah. Uh, to where you can find the switch for the light. Yep. Uh, to do all of the things. You know, if you're running this in daylight with a competition either competition gun, be that a PCC or a gun set up for multi-gun or mm-hmm. whatnot, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, but doing this in a more tactical environment um, where you've got to be able to actuate the light, be that you know a tail cap switch or a pressure mm-hmm. pad or whatnot, that's a lot of stuff to find in a really quick amount of time. Yeah. Along with then you know reestablishing a good mount so you can fire two rounds with a lot of control. Um, rapidly yes and so uh, on that vein um, weapon setup becomes a a very real conversation right you find out that like um, I love our cloud defensive products I wish their switches were a little bit different not not a lot but just a little bit and they've made some changes to the switches on the gen 3s um, to make them more friendly to this conversation um, but like for me, I'm, I was running a Bravo company SBR, um, and I'm running a simple dot optic on top, a Trigicon MRO, um, super plain Jane optic, nothing fancy to it. And I'm running a Surefire X300 turbo on top of the SBR, 12 o'clock top dead center on the rail. Um, and then a, a, a front sight behind that. And the vertical foregrip allows me to be indexed on the gun, and the light system allows me to be indexed on the gun where there's zero thought process. If yeah. I'm holding the gun where I'm supposed to be holding the gun, I just tap the light and it's on because of the way the Surefire lights work. So this yeah. is part of that conversation about why you might run one light over another or why you might run a push button over a, a extended or remote pressure switch and all those different yeah. things. Um, and then throw gloves into the mix because it was about 38 degrees and, and it's like a little too. What's it that yeah. called? Okay, yeah, it was it was cold. It was definitely cold. It wasn't it wasn't super windy, but it was chilly. It was, it was really humid. Yeah, which made it damp. made it colder. Yeah, yeah, damp, not moist. Very different. Um, and so we were so all those things come into play, right? You start figuring out how you know the system works. Well, you don't think about it until you move to the next longer position where you are taking your hand off the gun. You get back on the gun. Can you find the button? as quickly as you want to. And those are all things that can be repped out with a given system. 
but it's also a conversation around keeping things the same from gun to gun to gun. Um, it's a conversation about, you know, that kind of stuff starts to pile up and actually matter when you start doing this stuff with enough reps and then get out in the real world. If you picked up a gun that you're not used to running and the pressure switch is in a totally different place or the tail caps in a totally different place, or it's a non-standard system for you, um, it changes a lot. And the two short guns that I run, both are surefires, both have surefire X300 pistol lights on them either top dead center or slightly offset from the top. So I'm reaching similar, same place, and everything tends to work. Um, going to the pressure switch on a longer gun, like a 14.5-inch pendant welded or a 16-inch gun, um, with the cloud systems, with their lights and their pressure switches, I'm running the same thing where I've got a VFG that puts my thumb, when I grab the VFG in the right place, my thumb naturally lands on or right near the light. Yeah. That setup all matters as you're doing this stuff. Because it's, we go back to it's when you're you're not task stacking quite as hard because you're already familiar with that task. Yeah. So be aware of that too as you set up, especially you start doing it in low light, the safety now and then the light. Um, the, I would say the gloves make a really big difference. Yes. Uh, I've got a CZ Scorpion SBR setup to do this, mm-hmm. and the last time we did this stuff, I had the light on the right side of the gun. Uh, pressure pad on top. This is with the Rain 1.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, was not able to run the pressure pad effectively uh, yeah. with gloves on. Just well, the Scorpions with are the very tall very, foreign. Really, yeah, really tall foreign. It's like holding on to a. Trying well, to do a four. It's by, literally a like holding on to a two by four. I was going to say four by four. Yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's tall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so move the actually move the light over the left side of the gun and was using the tail cap. Yep. Uh, which worked a lot better, uh, but I've got the Magpul flight gloves. Yeah. And the way the seam all comes together on the thumb, it can be difficult to know whether you did the momentary or the constant activation um, for the light, which kind of, yeah. would say it, compli- it uncomplicated things considerably compared with the pressure sure. pad. Sure. But it was still, it's that added little bit that when you're fussing with stuff, in your basement, you know, with bare hands, yeah. um, do try it with gloves if you think at some point you're going to need gloves or plan on wearing gloves, you know, when the world comes to an end. Absolutely. You know, or or go train or get yeah. out and do this stuff if you can avail yourself of a facility or a place. Even if you have a place you could do it outside in the dark and the cold, dry. You don't have to fire the gun necessarily, but still get outside with your gear on. Running kit changes things almost all the time. Yeah. Um, so we ran into, since we're on the topic of equipment issues, um, mod light uh, lights have a very, very small rear pressy cap, and it's a very sensitive press cap where you can momentary it or you can click it on and click it off. Um, and that's not that's not good or bad, it just is. That's just how it's set up. Um, the lights, a ton of light, it's a mod light, it's a good quality product, um, but, you're, but the switch is a little bit twitchy, so be aware of that. Um, and then also when you switch from um, Americanized systems to comblock systems, so when you get away from an AR-15 style manual of arms, um, safety just off the thumb, and some different controls where you're, where as we as gringos are expecting them to be, going to something comblock, we had a guy running an AK style 9mm, um, clickety-clackety safety on and off. Um, you know, very quick, and, th- and this dude's very AK-centric, knows his shit, and was able to run it pretty damn fast, I thought, especially for it being a stock-ish safety, yeah. um, but is looking at going to a Krebs safety now on that gun, because it gives you the finger flick capability 
um, with one finger rather than taking your grip off the gun yeah. to do something weird. Um, and and it, and it, it and he, this was a great opportunity for him to come out and go, oh, running the safety's enough. Now I got to run the light too, which is what we ran into with pistols just two months ago yeah. with one of our guys who was 1911 centric, but then went to a light on the gun. All of a sudden, two switches became a pain in the ass. Um, so there's a conversation there. Um, there's a conversation around that. Um, you know, where do you, how's your gun set up, and is it amenable to what you're doing? So um, you know, is it amenable to what to how you're going to do these different things? And it, that you just learn. Hey, this is what works. This is what yeah. doesn't. This is a little harder. Is there a mod I can make to this system to make it work better? And in the case of the safety this guy's run enough AK style guns to know that the Krebs safety fix is that he just needs to get one on that gun. Yeah. And he adapted very well, um, to, to this stuff. So that's yeah. good to see the systems out there. The Scorpion I think is AK or AR centric enough with the placement of the safety. That's not a real big deal. Yeah. It, what it, where it does get you is if you're used to C clamping the gun and running stuff on that top rail, it's different. Right. You got to go from there, but going to the pressure switch, your hands in the same place, maybe your thumb adjusts just slightly to hit the pressure switch at that point, yeah. switching to the left side like you did. Um, these little setup things though, I think are things you're only gonna learn by doing it. Yeah. Whether it's in your basement or whether it's out on the range, doesn't matter, I don't think it has to be live fire, yeah. live fire for you to go, oh crap, this is tedious or not as good as it could be, but it might be the system you have. And there may be a reason for you to wanna carry over and not switch because maybe all your other guns are set up that way and that's what you want to run. You may have other reasons. That's cool. Yeah, Figure it out. and to be honest, the pressure pad on the top for the Scorpion felt great, worked great yeah. with bare hands. Yes. Uh, it was when you, I put the gloves on that it just didn't yeah. work the way, it didn't work as well as I was hoping it would have. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's part of, part of you just got to get out there and do it. Yeah. And, and again, and, or it may be part of if you're forced to wear gloves, you know, if you're dot that's, mill. That's part of the and setup. You, and that's part of your uniform is having gloves on to protect your hands, whether it's from flash, fire, impact, whatever else. You know, if you're a combatant, wearing gloves is a big deal. Keeping your hands protected is a really, I mean, almost as, or maybe some might argue more important as good boots and keeping your feet protected. Yeah. It's your interface with the world. Um, you know, and so you've got to be able to do things with gloves. Maybe that means a different pressure pad or a different location on the gun and going with a larger, more tactile rear switch. But that's a pretty big aside to the movement that we're talking about. But I think it really came out and was important. And it's something that, you know, getting out and doing it's how you learn and how you figure it out. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anything to add to what I'll call intermediate distance movement, five to seven steps? Yeah, it's the big thing intermediate distance movement wise is finding that comfort level of do I unmount the gun? Do I keep mm -hmm. the gun mounted? Yeah. Um, and then being accepting the fact that you've got to start breaking at 50% of the distance or maybe even you're only accelerated for a third of the distance and yeah. now you're decelerating for two thirds of yeah. the remaining distance. Yes. Um, that's that's the hard thing to for everybody to accept um, with the, the intermediate movement. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so then going to the longer movement, we were we got to, what, like about 10 yards? Probably, yeah, 10, 12 yards, 10, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so this is now, you know, running, like whether you're going high port, uh, you're going low ready with one hand on the gun, um, 
you know, the idea is you're really trying to get up to that full sprint uh, for just a fraction of a second. You might get, by the time you get to full speed, maybe one step, maybe two steps at full speed. Yeah. And then again, you're working on slowing down, getting that support hand back on the gun in the right place, and then coming into the position under control. Yeah. You know, gun properly mounted, you know, everything ready to go. So you can engage as soon as you're stopped. And maybe at this point, maybe we're talking about now you're accelerating for half the distance and decelerating for the other half. Um, and if you're fast, you're probably not getting up to full speed. Yeah. Full speed for, if somebody's legitimately fast, they're not getting up to full speed for 30, 40 yards. They're still accelerating through that. Right. Um, if you're fat and old and slow like me, maybe I'm at top speed <laughs> pretty easily. But you know, but yeah, you're definitely, you're accelerating a little longer. Um, but still hitting the brakes probably earlier than you want to, especially on a surface you're unsure of and that kind of mentality. And then you're coming in as hot as you can, but you're still not going two hands on the gun until you're in that last, maybe, you know, that second or third second or last step to your stopping is when your hand's coming up on the gun. It better be on the gun before the last step or you're not going to come into position as you stop moving um, yeah. or as you slow down enough to take the shot. Because, I mean, there were some cases where guys came in hot enough and they're maybe overweighted on the stop and pushing past that stop point, yeah. but able to get everything under control enough to get two good hits. And then maybe there's that step after that, you know, like the stabilization, yeah. you know, where I, you know, sent it a little too hard there um, and needed to take the extra step at the end. But if the shots were where they're supposed to be, that's kind of the kind of irrelevant at that point, unless you're a competitor and you're stepping outside the box. Yeah. But even at that, if you shot before you stepped outside the box, then it shouldn't matter. I think. I don't know. Yeah, as long as Seems you make the shots before you get out of the box, then you're good. Before you touch. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So something like that. So again, the application being competition, civilian, military, whatever. Um, you know, but maybe you need to come in hard and service that target and maybe not having, you know, perfect stoppy stoppy. It's okay as long as it's perfect enough for you to make the hits. And if you can't make the hits while you're doing that, then you got to come to a stop. That's fine. Figure it out. But that's why we do it. Um, and and th this at this distance, this is where literally doing something like setting up cones at 5 yards, at 5, 10, and 15 yards, and just running a, whatever you want to call them. I don't know. They're sprints. Shuttle run, shuttle sprints, shuttle yeah. whatever. Um, and and not, not touching the cone or touching the ground but maybe coming into position, even if it's just with your handgun, hand guns, your finger guns, finger gun, finger gun thank you. <laughs> yeah. We were all active shooters with our handguns. Um, yeah, words matter. Um, coming into position with your with your finger guns up and hey, can I get to a position where I need to stop and then turn around, move back, whatever. And again, you know, depending on the size of your basement, it, you could probably do this for five yards in your basement and do a three yeah. to five yard start stop kind of thing and, and move like that without even using a gun as part of your PT. Yep. Totally doable. Um, this position, the little more distance, you, you you accelerate more aggressively, drop your body weight, pushing off hard. Um, you look at it from that break mentality of a, I'm in a good shooting stance, can I do what I need to do here? Now I'm dropping my weight, I'm maybe taking a hand off the gun, pumping my arms to move. Um, there's more to it, again, so breaking some of that stuff down, at what point do I pivot? At what point am I dropping my body weight? Have I gotten the shot off before I start moving? Don't make yourself miss trying to get into movement. And then coming into the other end of it, again, back to, I really want to know where I need to decelerate 
And that's, that can be a tough thing in an unknown environment. Doing the reps on it gave you a little better feel. I think everybody got better and better and better with it. Um, the one thing that I, I would caution people with, especially if you're on a surface where you know you can slide a little bit and you're comfortable with that, you're athletic, is coming in like you're coming to second base in a partial slide or something like that. Um, you know, that the whole like run, jump, turn, sliding into second base, or think of it, I probably more accurately, you're skiing and you kick your skis sideways to catch yeah. an edge to stop or slow down and you're really driving those edges in. You might get away with that and you might not. You might fall on your ass. The problem is, is in this situation, I would say you're trying not to fall on your ass. Not fall on your ass is more important than almost anything else. So let's not stop like that. Let's maintain better control than trying to use the edge of our shoes and slide into position. Yeah, if you're, like really the objective when you're stopping is that as soon as you're, as soon as the, whatever whichever foot is gonna touch last, yep. as soon as that's on the ground, the shot's breaking. Yep. So having stability, you know, as we come to a stop is really, really important. Yeah. And that, you know, from, if you think about this in in terms of the clock, you know, while we're slowing down, the clock is running. Yep. And if we're so out of control stopping that we have to stabilize, yep. the clock is running while we kind of while bounce we're back and forth and restabilize. Yeah. So being just a slight bit, having just a slight bit longer deceleration so we're fully in control actually ends up using less elapsed time than coming in super out of control yeah. and then taking a second or two to get everything collected. Yep. And it also, I think it gives you, if you come in under control, your shots are probably going to be better. You yeah. might be able to make that shot again where you're unstable and you might get lucky and you might pull it, you might be fine, or you might yank the shot and now that, that you know, that, uh, that miss or near miss costs you points in time or costs you points in life. Um, by not by the bullet not being you're accountable for the bullet where's it going kind of thing yeah. or it gives you a skosh more time to assess if you're a civilian I've just moved I'm in a new position um, you know is that thing that I think needs shot does it need shot and it gives me that moment to assess under control and calmly rather than trying to recover from falling on my ass or almost falling on yeah. my ass kind of mentality um, you know and if you're if you're if it's in a more critical situation like the real world then it you know it might matter that you're in control of yourself and you're not rushing to make a decision that you can give yourself a little more time for. Yeah. And uh, you know, and we start talking about tense, we can make decisions pretty quick. We can take visual input pretty quickly and make a decision. A couple tenths of a second can be a lifetime, especially if it's a critical environment where that takasaki thing's kind of kicked in and things are slowing down a little bit for you mentally and you can process it. That would be a wonderful thing to have done this enough to put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else to add to that movement? Um, being not fat, being strong, having done PT, being limber, and being able to, on command, sprint 10, 12 yards and not pull a hammy. That's important Would too. probably be a really good thing. Um, you know, so as you, you know, as we get older, if you're young and you're powerful and you want to work on power and hypertrophy and getting bigger and all that fun stuff, that's awesome. As you get older, you may want to add some mobility um, into the routine so that you can do these things from a PT perspective, so that you can do these things and go train relatively hard. And if you're of an age like me, where maybe warming up just a little bit, maybe you run just a couple little 50 yard jogs to get warmed, 
do whatever you got to do to not get hurt doing this. It is a physical endeavor. Um, but at the same time, do whatever you got to do so you can do this kind of stuff and get out and do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was fun. It was good stuff. Um, shooting got weird and went to shit for a couple runs and then guys got back into it each time. Uh, we were looking for all upper A zone hits and, and it seemed like the first run everybody did it and then they tried to go a little faster and a little faster and things got a little rough and then they were able to rein it in because they were getting their footwork down and stuff like that. And you could see that wave, that evolution or bell curve of evolution on each of these where, you know, maybe you didn't go from one end of the spectrum to the other or one end of the curve to the other, but you started off solid, pushed it to where the edge was and then brought it back into where you could do it reliably. And we got enough reps in, I think, for everybody to kind of get in a groove on each one of these. And my impression was that everybody walked away from this training night, even though it was a relatively short night and was probably more focused on movement than shooting. I think everybody kind of walked away from that as like, okay, yeah, this is this is legit and important. Yeah. Again, there's the reminder that wow, it's not just shooting a gun; it's athleticism. Yeah. So cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on that notice, we came across interesting things. We try to even post up to our social media. You can follow us along on Facebook at Cap City Outfitters on and on Instagram at Cap City Outfitters too. On our website, CapCityOutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter or drop us an email to info at capcityoffitters.com. We'll sign you up for the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's and directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, we're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and then Saturdays 10 to 3. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for checking us out, guys. Appreciate it.